Hello, and welcome to On Purpose. This is Janice Alpert, where we interview people who have found their purpose or are still on it um, in hopes that we can help you, the listener, if you're struggling, look um, for some more meaning and some purpose in your life. So today we have Michelle Hillier. Welcome, Michelle. Um, I don't really know that much about her, so we're going to learn together. I always try to... um, you know, just learn along with along with the listeners. So um, thank you so much for doing this. We always appreciate it so much. Um, I know Noah, you know, kind of found you. So I did read a little bit about your background, but why don't you just tell us a little Uh-oh. bit like, uh, yeah, like where you're from and a little bit about yourself. How'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Oh my goodness. This could be a, this could be a two hour thing. Let's see. Well, that's- I can, I'll, I'll do my little close notes. Um, <clears throat> so I'm from Toronto, uh, Canada. But oh. I was born. Yeah, I'm, from, I'm a Canadian girl. Don't you know, eh? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and uh, Canada is a place that we all might want to be moving to soon. But that's a sidebar. Go ahead. That's a sidebar. We won't get into politics no. on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I live, reside in Toronto, which is our largest city in the country. So right. I've been of, there. You know, I love it. Yeah. Oh, it's great. A lot of vibrant, vibrancy, culture, mm-hmm. arts, everything. But I grew up in a town called Waterloo, and it's, it was much smaller. Um, oh. I'm an only child. And okay. I'm also an adopted child. Really? So I, yeah. So that, that could be the whole other hour of this. Another hour no, no, <laughs> my, my younger son is adopted. So I always find oh, that. Fabulous. Yeah. I, my yeah. older son was natural and then I couldn't get pregnant and I have an adopted younger son. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I was um, brought into a home with two extremely loving parents who couldn't have children in their forties. Wow. And I, I was like the star of their life when I entered in and I, bet. Um, I look nothing like them, but the, and that didn't matter. The love they showed me and the, the uh, I just fit in. I just completely, I never, they told me I was adopted obviously when I was old enough to understand it, but right. I did, it did not seem to matter. I just found I, I, my story was, I was told I was like chosen, had to be with them. So I felt very special growing up. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, My mother uh, is Bulgarian. So uh, immigrants from Bulgaria. So really tight family uh, network. My, her sister lived next door. Her brother lived down the street. There were cousins everywhere. I was like, I had love and family around me constantly. Uh, Which was, which was never, you know, never a shortage of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew grew up in, yeah, go ahead, sir. No, I, I there's always I'm always curious. Did you have or have you, if you care to share any desire or did you look for your birth parents? Or? I did. Yeah. Really? So in my yeah. So my girlfriends in high school were always much more curious about finding my birth mother than I was. Uh-huh. And I, I really did. I guess I was more fear. I was I, it was a fear of the unknown fear right. of hurting my mother and what that sure. would cause. Um, but when I was in my early 20s, um, that's when the Internet was sort of just a thing. It was 1999. Yes. And there was my girlfriend had found this website that was a very, it t- had taken um, compilations of all different news clippings of pacifieds for adopt people looking for their children and combine wow. them into a website database. So wow. I thought, ah, why not? And I entered in my birthday and my birthplace and boom, I, there was a match. She was looking for me. And wow. it, was, it was sort of floored me. And I called the, the um, website. They're like, if you have a match, call us. And I called the website company. And within five minutes, I had her phone number and her name. Oh and I just didn't, I didn't even know what I didn't know what to even do with it because I wasn't seeking. I wasn't looking oh for something. I wasn't looking to fill a void to find my mother. I just uh-huh. thought, wow, what is this? So I sat with it for about a year and then wow. something, I don't know what kind of awakening I had where I thought I'm ready now. And I reached out to them again and they um, contacted her to contact me because I was a little scared. Sure. And uh, within 10 minutes, we were talking within 24 hours, we met. 
Oh, I have goosebumps. Wow. I know. And uh, at the time, so I'm also a performer. I was a performer, professional dancer, singer, music theater. So at the time I was doing a show, um, summer theater, like summer stock type of thing. And I had a show that night. So I thought it'd be a good idea to meet my birth mother the day of my show before the show. And she came and saw me on stage that night. Wow. So was, uh, my friends said, are you, are you nuts? Like, aren't you going to be nervous? I'm like, well, just throw in, throw in all the emotions into one day. So, you know what, Janice, to see someone that looks like me, like we yeah. look identical. She was only 15 when she had me. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, it was one of those, you know, get, got pregnant, go to a birthing home, have me yeah. never spoke about again. And wow. so um, it was a pretty magical reunion to see someone that looks like me and she's just a loving soul and we still keep in touch. Oh, wow. And how does your, yeah. how does your adoptive mother fit your mother? Feel um, about? You know what? She was really honest about it. She said, you know, when I, I, I was nervous to share with her and I, when sure. I did share with her and showed her a picture, I'd met my birth mother. She kind of paused and uh, she said, you know, this is your journey. Your dad and I always knew that this was going to be something you were going to do and we support it. And they're much older because she was only 15. Right, my, right, right. My right. parents were 40 at the, when they got me. So they said, this is your journey. We, we don't really want to know anything else about it. Okay. And, and all okay. the best. Okay. And I, I honored that. I was like, fine. You know, that's, that's yep. where it's at. So they, they have never met. They, I have not, I've just kept them separate and that's okay. just the way it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. uh, first of all, that is an unbelievably cool story. So thank, thank you for sharing that. And that is all part of, I'm guessing, how you got to where you are now. It is 100% how I got to where I am. Right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, so you have that part. Oh, um, sorry, but that's, that's the birth. We got to the birth part in the first time. <laughs> I'm born and adopted. No, so, no yes, that's, my, a, a big part of my life was uh, performing. So being yes, on stage. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So this was something that my adopted mom was in theater. So she nurtured oh. me into that. And I have uh-huh. to be, uh, have the aptitude for it and the skill for it. So I did really well. And spent, you know, um, from probably age five to, I mean, I'm still on stages now getting people moving. So it is, wow. quite, it's still in my career. I'm still a mind body educator. So it, it has never left me, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. I never thought, so I mean, mostly, I remember, I remember, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Mostly dancing and singing or mostly dancing and singing. Yeah. Most, and then obviously like some acting comes with that in theater, right. in music theater, but, uh, mostly dancing and singing and, uh, my mom and I did shows together, community theater, and I did wow. professional work. It was a big part of my childhood was being on stage. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now at the age I'm at now, 47, gone through a bit of a, which I'm sure we'll get to, a bit of a personal awakening in the last two years with COVID. Yes. Lots of lots of therapy, lots of reflecting, lots of personal work. Yep. I can look back and, and really look at, I really felt perhaps only loved and and. I was the star when I was on stage. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, that's, a, that's something I kind of struggle with is that I relationship with my mother around mm-hmm. the idea of me being on stage was when she was the most happiest of me. Mm-hmm. So I, and I, and I did well, I, I, I did it well for her. Yeah, I, I showed, say, you, you know, I, I, I did a good job. I got her to really love me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that led me into university. I went to university and uh, became a teacher actually after a oh. number of years on stage. Um, in theater? At, no. Well, it's funny. Am I, I worked as, on a cruise ship for a year after university. Oh, I wow. was a dancer, a dancer in the shows. So oh. talk about like, that is my, when I look back, my 
when I felt the most alive in my life was working abroad, right. dancing oh, in shows, getting a paycheck. I'm like, you're going to give me money to dance at, on, and, like, and, on a stage and, at and sea? And travel the world. And I'm going and on a cruise. The world. And I'm going yeah. to Alaska in a couple of weeks. So I'll, I'll be at a oh, cruise. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm not sure if I ever want to go on a cruise again after being on it for a year. Well, I, can I think it's out of my system. This yeah. Is, yeah. Well, this is my first one since COVID, <laughs> but hopefully it'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, you'll love, you'll love it. Yeah, yeah, it's no, a great no, no. experience. It's so nice to be everything in one place. Yes. Part, no, I've been know, on so cruises before, so it's, okay, it's a great perfect. way to travel. I, I, it is. Because you don't have to unpack and every day. You're at a different, That's beautiful, right. gorgeous yeah, place. You wake up and you're like, I'm in a new port today. Exactly. Um, so, I, so, so I, yeah, my, my, my university degree was not in theater. I decided to go and just get a you know, basic Bachelor of Arts. Uh-huh. And while I was there, focused on being really involved in everything from, I, did, I, I was a residence don, so I lived in the buildings and took care of first-year students. I okay. directed a huge fashion show. So I was really busy and didn't matter. Like my degree was my degree. It didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to study theater. I wanted to mm-hmm. go and just experience university. Okay. Um, and then I became a, I, after the year abroad um, dancing, I thought it would be, I loved performing. I hated the hours. I was working yeah. all nights oh, and weekends. Right. Yeah. And I never, I missed so many events and weddings. And I thought maybe, I, I, you know, I'm a good teacher. I've always been a leader, you know, as a kid and a teenager, um, I'll be a teacher. So I ended up getting a dance drama job, high school. So okay. you know, nine to 12th grade. And, wow. you know, I learned about myself in those three years that I love teaching and okay. I do not like being in, like, in the box of rules. And okay. as a teacher, you are very rule oriented. Oh, yeah. I was a teacher. I understand. I was before I became a therapist. Yep. Oh, I have to go to the same building every day with the same students at the same time. I just, it actually tore me apart and it actually Mm -hmm. brought alive this entrepreneurial spirit that I started percolating ideas. Like I saw so many teachers in different districts and across our country struggling with how to teach dance and movement to children. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if I started a company that helped people do that? So that was the birth of my first business. Okay. Were you during all this time, just asking, were you like someone that would, was thinking like, so what's the meaning of my life? Like were any of those thoughts going on back then? Um, Meaning of my life. Yeah. I I knew I wanted to make it. How am I going to make an impact? Like what's my, what's my purpose? I know I'm, I I always felt special, I guess, in a way from being Mm -hmm. adopted and being told that from my adopted yep. parents. I get it. And I kind of, I kind of like excelled at whatever I did. And I, I was a bit of a magnet to people. I thought I'm, I'm meant for something like there's something for me. And that's why I felt very stifled in education. Mm-hmm. I felt like, and it's honorable profession. Don't get me no, wrong. I, I didn't, I'm not, I am, but you know what I mean? I just felt like I wanted to like spread my wings and make a bigger impact somehow. Mm-hmm. And I had the risk. I was very risk, you know, I'm a risky person too. calculated. Like I, I'll risk what I know I can excel at something. Okay. So that's, you know, when I have the skills to back me, I'm willing to go for it. So that's when I started my business. Um, that was also coupled with um, the death of my father. So he had a sudden heart attack oh. in 2007, um, which was the dawning point for me to <laughs> look at my ha- my, look at my happiness and purpose because he was taken from me so quickly. And it was like, he was my guy. My mom and I were similar, but my dad was my guy. Yeah. Like it was, it was like my dad a, and I against my guy, dad and I against my mom. <laughs> I hear you. So you had a special relationship. Yeah. Special relationship. Very much so. So when he was gone, I took a bunch of time off work and really sat with it. I remember one night being up late, late, late at night through the night, just writing out sort of what would be sort of my first business plan <laughs> to start my company. And just, I wanted the freedom. Wow. I wanted to be happy. 
I wanted to make a difference. And then I, I, I incorporated a company called Fit to Dance and I had it from 2007 to 2014 and wow. uh, rocked it. It was, it was great. Yeah, I really loved it. I learned yeah. a ton. I didn't go to school for business. So all of a sudden oh. I'm like operations, marketing, um, accounting. I'm doing everything going, I guess I'm going to this bigger than that as I go. So what, so what did you, did you actually like go to like travel and, and do this teaching? Yeah. Like what did that involve? What was, you know? So it involved me creating curriculum around dance and movement okay. and uni- unique, innovative ways of looking at creative movement. So not so much choreography and stuff that I learned where there was very much a right and a wrong. And mm-hmm. I, I got it right. That was me, but there were so many kids like don't get it right. So then they want to like, I, abandon would, I would be a very bad student. Yeah. <laughs> if I had it, want to like forget dance. And yeah. then as adults, you hear everybody, Oh, I can't dance, can't dance. Yeah. Cause you've been messed up when you were a kid somehow, probably exactly. someone told you you couldn't. So exactly. I was like, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting rid of this. I'm going to get these kids knowing they can actually move and feel good to music. So um, it started with just me going like into schools, doing teacher trainings, all this. And then I had a team by, um, by 2011, I had a team of about seven contractors wow. that were all teachers that just didn't want to be in the classrooms. They were all certified teachers. They were phenomenal instructors and facilitators. And I, we were rocking it. Wow. And then I got pregnant. Uh, and then always. I had, then we had our baby. Okay. Which, so wait, wait, this you know, was I, all just mostly in Canada or did you travel? Uh, no, I went down to the U S to so something Janice we did was when Michelle Obama had the, um, camp, yes. the active in schools campaign, there was a huge shape America conference or what yes. it was called back then. I forget what it was called. It wasn't shape. They rebranded, um, mm-hmm. active in schools. We were the only Canadian company chosen to come down and showcase our program. Wow. It was, in, Bo- it was in Boston. Fabulous. Yeah. However, here's the, the TSN turning point is that I was giving birth to my son that exact day that my team was in Boston. Oh, wow. Okay. So I don't, I don't know if I have like resentment to still unpack <laughs> on that one or something, but I, what I created and what I built was like, I wasn't even there. They were in Boston on their own, oh, uh, wow. but you know what? It, so yeah, we did work in the U S I did a lot of work in Florida and Texas and Seattle, Seattle public schools was a huge um, I had a good, great connection with that group, New York city, New York city public schools. Wow. So yeah, things were rocking and rolling in the education sector, but then motherhood just rock, rocked and ruled me. I understand. I get it. <laughs> I get, believe me, I get it. So once you had your son, then you felt like you couldn't like what was going on for you I in terms of your own identity and identity. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. My uh-huh. identity was like, <clears throat> I didn't know, I didn't know, well, I, I didn't know the immense magnitude of it was like to be a mother, obviously. Nobody um, does I until thought, we are. Nobody right? does. And I really adored my hat as a business owner mm-hmm. and as a, and as a wife and partner to my husband, mm-hmm. uh, then husband, we're now separated, but you know, we had a, we were a great team on our own. I ran my business. He was a professor. He did his thing. And then all of a sudden this baby needs us all the time. Yes. So my team, my team ran the company a little bit for me. I had one girl really step up and was phenomenal. Um, but I just lost kind of the time and the, I lost touch with it because I, the baby. And so I, what I started doing was, Hmm, what can I do? I started offering mom, baby groove classes. So with the babies strapped in. So I tried to like evolve with, with my son, James, Mm -hmm. his name is he's 10, he's 10 years old now. I tried to like still find that identity with me, but it was, it just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Um, I was back on stages presenting and working because what ended up happening with the business is I had my independent contractors 
that were doing sort of the groundwork and the amazing facilitation. Mm -hmm. I was doing most of the high level presenting at big conventions to get the awareness, to get the bookings. So I was still doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, However, it just didn't seem to fit. It just didn't seem to fit. Something inside was like, okay, I was being torn constantly. Something shifted. shifted. So then I guess fast forward, I kind of like trucked along that way until James went to kindergarten. So that would be like four years after that. And then, um, I mean, there's a whole backstory to all this too, about about my recovery journey. I'm not sure if you read. Yeah, we'll get there. I might maybe. Okay. Okay. (laughs) No, (laughs) I did. It it is tied to my relationship with with alcohol. Because because part of part of what I love about this podcast and hearing stories is I want people to know that, you know, like I, I feel blessed that I've pretty much been my purpose, my hope, but it's not like it's a smooth sailing ride. So that right. doesn't mean that you don't you don't still per- persevere. So, you know, yeah. if someone doesn't have a little a little at least one or two bumps and sometimes big ones, then mm-hmm. I don't then to me, it's not an interesting story. So, if you, yeah, so exactly. So I, I feel like I'm telling this story that's like up here. And then there's this like undercurrent that we're going to we're going to match up in a second because <laughs> okay. I've done a lot of a lot of reflecting on it, too. Um, so then, you know, James is older. I'm kind of feeling back in my groove. I'm changing curriculum a little bit because evolving with uh, going more towards wellness. And I got, you okay. know, certified um, more in yoga. And I just kind of shifted, uh, did some more meditation work with children. Mm-hmm. Like it just sort of shifted as opposed to like the dance, the dance company. Okay. Um, and then I started having extreme hip pain. Oh. So both my hips, both my hips were very they've always been tight. So I was the dancer that could never do middle splits. I could always do side splits, but middle, even as a little girl, I couldn't, I didn't really impede my career. I still did okay. well, but they were always tight after childbirth. They really, something was up. Like there was something up with both of my hip joints. Okay. I then also wanted to, I wanted to quote, lose the last bit of baby. Yes. Weight, which No one needs to, by the way, that's ridiculous. <laughs> but so I joined a hardcore type, a competitive workout crew of women okay. that were much younger than me, but I had to be the star, I had to be the best. So I pushed I'm myself get- and you're yeah, not competitive at all. Are you Michelle? <laughs> Little, with myself the most a little bit a little yeah no, I'm saying you you I can hear you set high goals for yourself and you keep wanting to or I don't know if you're doing that now but that seems like that's yeah in the good part that that helped motivate you to do that be successful and then the bad part is like maybe I overdid it, can push, it. yeah overdid it so, yeah. so Janice I did overdo it I through you know some of our workouts I tore both labrums in my hips so okay. those are two months like some that sounds bad that sounds bad and normally that would be like oh laparoscopic surgery and you know fine so I saw a surgeon um because at this point too osteoarthritis had kicked in big time in both my hips which I didn't know was genetic so I had to call my birth mother and be like is does arthritis run in I'm only like 44 at the time she's like oh no my aunt and my cousin females oh. both in their 40s were riddled with osteoarthritis oh. so I said well I think I have it because I can hardly walk so I went to the surgeon um, and he looked at my images and said Michelle I can't believe you haven't had surgery already both of your hips need to be replaced oh my god two hip replacements at 44 I have double titanium hips oh my goodness it's and that's not insane. an easy recovery oh my sister's had one and <laughs> And my son's an orthopedic done. surgeon, just as an FYI. So I know that is not an easy, it's and you not had, an easy one. You had I had both, them both the, done 12, I know, 12 weeks apart. So, oh. but you know, when he told me that news, I, I was in shock. 
I, I said, what do you mean? Like, oh, I mean, yeah, we'll cut the fever. We'll do this. I'm like, oh my God, what are you saying right now? And so I sat, yeah, I go, well, I'm not ready for that. He goes, well, you'll be back in my office when you can't take it anymore. Right. So I was literally Advil and Motrin, you name it. I was on, still pushing through my work, still performing on stages and facilitating oh and just push, pushing through the pain. So I finally surrendered and had the surgeries 12 weeks apart. Oh my and goodness. And then uh, 2019, um, oh. December into 2020, I was finally recovered. Like I, I had pain, no pain. I could move. I could walk. My bookings were off the charts for 2020. I was keynoting all over the place and COVID hits. Oh, so <laughs> now what? Your whole identity and, now, and everything. I, you can't do your thing. I mean, you could do it on Zoom, but it's not the same. I did a lot of Zoom. I'm sure you did. And, you know, got really good at facilitating on Zoom. I'm telling you, I learned a lot of ways to connect with people. As, as, many, I, as we all as did. Right? Do, we all did. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, every I felt like every day or week, some, another cancellation was coming in. And I was just and, and then the isolation of being at home. So my work, which clearly was an escape of mine in yes. my marriage, in my marriage and in my mm-hmm. life, work was one of my escapes, um, was gone. Mm-hmm. It was gone and I was isolated. My son was home. We had, we were locked down for a long time in Toronto. Yeah. We, were one, we were one of the longest, we were the longest city of lockdown. We had the most days of lockdown. Mm-hmm. So my son, who's like a little bit ADHD and very active and social is really struggling at home. Oh, I'm away from school. And, you know, I'm at home struggle, figuring things out with no work. And um, mm. so that one escape being work, my other escape, my whole life has been alcohol. Ah, as a, as a form of fun and a form of like, just having a good, like, forget about stuff, take the edge off, have a good time. Mm -hmm. Um, that I leaned hard into that second escape during Mm -hmm. COVID. So that became, um, a problem it did. And couple that with COVID also exacerbated my mom's dementia. So she had onset, she's, she's 88 now and Mm -hmm. she lives in Toronto. I moved her from Waterloo about 12 years ago to be closer to me, James. And, um, she was hiding the dementia really well, really well, but we mm-hmm. kind of saw signs of it. And then in July, 2020, it, she just lost all capability to, to live on her own. And oh. she just, she just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know how to do anything. So I got her. So, into upsetting home. When it happens. Ugh. so that was that too. I always, I always kind of forget about my mom because that was a mm-hmm. big, and I, I'm an only child and there's nobody. Yes. Of course, so it was just me dealing with her and isolation and no work. No, and, and all I had, all I had for myself was was wine, mm-hmm. and I drank, I drank and drank a lot. Yeah. So yeah, no, that no one should underestimate that sandwich generation where you're taking care of your aging parent, yourself, and your kids. It's That's tough. Right. It's really really tough. All right. So the wine drinking started getting more and more and more and more. Yeah, yes. and more and more. But but looking back, I had you know, a dysfunctional relationship with alcohol probably for 20 years Okay, where it was like, I just, I, I found the groups that wanted to drink. I never, I was always the last one leaving the party. Uh-huh. Um, I, it just, it was fun until it wasn't fun, mm-hmm. but it definitely was part of my life. I was the, you know, I found the mom groups that wanted to drink wine in the park, you know, right. while the kids little, play. Little, I'm like, perfect. These are my people. <laughs> yeah, little, little day drinking at any <laughs> time. Drinking. Did you, yeah. were you ever thinking like before it actually got so bad, like mm-hmm. this could be a little bit of a problem or yes. Oh, you had yes, thought. Okay. I so, that, I, so you I, had a little I, voice I in there. Yeah. I had like a sober curious moment where I was like, what would it be like if I stopped drinking? This was in 2012. I was at a, uh, a wellness retreat and we were doing this beautiful visualization activity where 
you wait, I'm not sure if you've ever done it before. It's a, the perfect day activity. So you wake up and the facilitator had us walk through like everything you see, smell, touch in detail. It's your perfect mm-hmm. day. You walk to a mirror. What do you look like? Think, and I, in that, in that activity, I, I was not drinking. I'm like, I'm not drinking. I look vibrant. Uh, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm not yeah. obsessed with the idea of when's the next drink going to come there. I hope there's enough at dinner. Where are we going to go for drinks? I hope there's wine at that event. Like that's gone. And I, I journaled about it. And then I didn't see it possible because I didn't see a life without alcohol because it was so woven into my social fabric. Mm-hmm. It was like everything I did involved booze. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but so I, I was curious though. I was curious. Yeah. So you had a curious sure. moment and really yeah. thinking about what would my life be without, because from what you're saying that at any time you went out, you were wondering, will there yeah. be wine there? Will there, there be, be wine there? Will there be yeah. wine? How am I going to get through it? So it was kind of like, I hear what you're saying. So that was a little bit of a warning sign, but you didn't have the curious moment until that particular uh, meditation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Until the, the, the meditation. So and then just, even uh, a girlfriend told me her sobriety story three years before COVID. I remember saying exactly where I was. She's now like four years sober, five years sober. And I was just sort of drawn into her. And now that mm-hmm. I talked to her, she said, I could tell you were right. Like, you're, you were getting ready right. to right. think about it. Right. But it had to take COVID to me down. You know, uh, there's so many COVID stories of what, um, of how people have changed and transformed as much as we all were like in shock and like with lockdown or whatever, and all the adjustments we all had to make. But when we look back, me, and that includes me, actually, I was talking a little about that with Noah before, right before he came on about how I'm a pretty outgoing person in general, but now I'm finding like, I kind of like just like being at home. Mm, and um, me <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I, I, I closed my office that I had for 40 years and now I see clients. I mean, I work pretty part time, but um, I don't mind it. And if I mm-hmm. stay home and I read or I watch a Netflix show, I'm like good with that. And I've also for myself and I was just going to want to address this. I've upped my meditation as well. And sure. um, there's something about being still where you are. I'm not going to say force, but it it happens kind of again, organ whatever word you want is organically, naturally, where your inside voice, and this is all about what kind of this whole podcast is about, is about that inner voice, about what 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 is my voice telling me in terms of my inner soul, my my highest mm-hmm. place of who I am, to be the best of whatever it is that I am going to be, and it may not be like you said, performing. It might have to be altered to speaking or whatever. I want to hear what you're doing now, but, um, right. But if we're doing something super unhealthy, like consuming too much alcohol, and we know that our body, that just doesn't work for us. You know, there Mm -hmm. are people that can have a glass of wine and they're fine. And there are other people that can't, you know, my son is, my son is a recovering, um, addict and he's knock on wood doing well. And, um, but, uh, yeah, thank you. Every day I go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. One day at a time, but thank you. Thank you. Um, and ironically he's working at a rehab clinic, so he's helping others. So, um, yeah, but anyways, you know, it's, it's a tough, any kind of addiction is a tough thing to, uh, to admit, so admit it's the, yeah, the, first, admit, the surrender, the willingness, step one will, of the program. Step the one of the program. To say, I am so what, <laughs> so COVID happened. And so what brought you to that moment? And then, and then oh, yeah. you had to do something about it. Like stop I drinking. Had to do, well, I said, did major things about it. So <clears throat> yeah. So COVID uh, hits my husband and I are both drinking together. Like we, we drank together, but I always probably without him knowing drank always more. No, he knew. 
I'd always drink more. And I always had like the drink before we went out or the two drinks before we went out or, you know, the, the drink when we got home, when he went to bed, I was just always doing more of it. Did you so feel it changed your, did you feel it changed your personality or how you interacted with others? No, um, you know what it probably did. It made me tolerate situations that I didn't want to be in. Okay. So like, you know, um, and, and now in sobriety and in recovery, I just don't put myself in the situation. Right. I honor myself. I'm like, I don't, I don't really enjoy that crowd of people that much. So I just don't go. Instead, yes. I would be like, I'm going to go and just drink because mm-hmm. it was just uh, to talk. So I would use, I really saw alcohol as my way of tolerating a situation. Okay. That's what helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't get nasty. I didn't get blackout. I didn't fall mm-hmm. down. Like I was very fun. You were, and, a, high like, function- it, you were a high functioning alcoholic. I was a high functioning alcoholic. I yeah. truly was. And Janice, I was on stages talking about wellness and taking care of yourself yeah. and movement and meditation while yeah. hung over oh. or jonesing for the next drink in the hotel lobby bar exactly. when I got off the yeah. stage. I'm yeah. like, I'm a, I feel you're agilent hip- here. Yeah. There's a, yeah, a little hypocrisy. Felt, yeah. So that's gone now, which feels phenomenal. The authenticity, right? So mm-hmm. they, um, my husband and I decided to, he's like, let's stop drinking in July. Now at this point, my mom's going to the nursing home and I'm coping with alcohol for sure mm-hmm. to deal with her. And, and it scared me. I didn't want to. He did, okay. no problem, because he's not an alcoholic. Right. And could stop. And that's when that's when I see from like July to November, that's when I I know what active addiction is. Okay. I was in the the sneaking, the lying, okay, hiding, the yep. um, all that stuff that comes with addiction, all the unhealthy behaviors, hiding mm-hmm. it in certain places, like things that I would read about and go, who does that stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I did because I, yep. I wasn't supposed to be drinking and I but I didn't know a way out. It was my, it was my, med- it was my coping. Right. I appreciate, I love your openness. So go ahead. So then when yes. did you, yeah, yeah, so, so, now then, you're sneaking. so then my, my girlfriends uh, who I have very dear girlfriends who care about me and were very worried about me. Um, and so they sort of rallied together along with my husband. They didn't do like an intervention because I think they knew I would lose it, <laughs> but they <laughs> privately confronted me. One of the, one of them was sort of a representative. She's amazing. And she said, we, we like, you need to go get help. Like you need to go somewhere and go away. We found this place. It's in this beautiful area of Canada called Muskoka and go for 30 days. My husband said, we have the money. I support it. Let's do it. Go, go and get this figured out. And so I like waved the white flag and said, fine. So wow. November 20, Very- November 21st, 2020, I was at the treatment center. Wow. And that was like in the still in the middle of, yeah, that was middle of COVID. Middle of COVID. Yeah. COVID. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so we were, and it, it remained open and they had all these protocols. It was the one center that still remained quite open. Okay. Um, so I go there for 30 days. And really when I look back, that 30 days was a, a time away from my life, which mm-hmm. was chaos. Yeah. Uh, chaos. It felt chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a time to be alone. I'd never lived on my own alone my whole life. Yeah. I was always, as an only child, I was always craving people company. and company, always craving companies. Mm-hmm. So I was alone for 30 days in this beautiful place. And I got to just focus on me. Mm-hmm. I'd never, I, I'd never done that before. Wow. Ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, was a, it was a month of discovery and all this and learning tons about recovery, being removed from my substance, which was actually, mm-hmm. real, I felt like, I like, thank God. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't one that woke up and needed it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it. I wanted right. it. But now so there was no choice. I was like, thank God it's not there. It's not even here. This is yeah. perfect. I can like, no choice. Focus. No choice. So I come out of treatment Christmas. What I did realize as well is that um, my marriage was was not 
healthy for you know, you. solid enough or healthy for me to be moving on with. So I, mm-hmm. we separated what I, we amicably separated when I came out of treatment mm-hmm. and uh, we have a great relationship now and co-parent beautifully with our son and really, really proud of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so I come out, I'm, uh, I'm doing, I'm trucking along, not drinking, but not following a program. So this is where my ego, this is something that I'm part of my recovery is to say, no, dismantling this ego of mine that's been conditioned as a child Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I thought I can do this on my own that programming that you know a that's for the other people to do not me Mm -hmm. and so I ended up ended up leading me to a relapse in July of last year June into July and I went back to the treatment center for 10 days on my own accord I drove Mm -hmm. there I paid for it I put myself there and um, on July 21st which is in what eight days yeah. I'll have a year. I'll have a year sobriety. Wonderful. Yeah. And now you're in a program. You follow the program. Follow for the program 12 yeah. step. And I have yeah. a beautiful, wonderful addictions therapist. I'm unpacking like this, the reasons why I mm-hmm. drink. Yeah. The drinking was like the obsession to drink now is gone. Yeah. It was, so and, now, and like, it, it's just, why was I, right. what was I afraid of? What are my deep fears? What was right. I you know, um, like, why did I have to tolerate situations and just getting to know myself? That's what it really is all about. That's been this whole year's work. Fabulous. Okay. So like, as far as right now, when you think Mm -hmm. about, okay, what's your, you know, what, in terms of what are you doing now in terms of, well, what you're doing right personally is fabulous. So are you still doing work, work workwise? Yeah. This, that's been, uh, that's been actually, it, it was birthed out of me journaling and, being reflective and doing all the personal work. Um, what I came to realize is my life was sort of on fire. Like in my life for 25 years, I was on fire. I was okay. not a controlled blaze. I was on fire. And then during COVID this, like I was just a pilot light. I was just flaming. I wasn't <laughs> oh, I even it. like, so that's why I actually got it. I got a flame tattoo during oh, this okay. I lo- that to, represent, to represent this internal flame that we have. And I was either burning inferno or a pilot light. And all I wanted now, and I have it now, all I want is a controlled blaze. But that comes with knowing when my fire needs breath and when my fire needs like fire. Nice. So I created uh, my new, totally new brand, which I launched um, April 1st is called Breath and Fire. So okay. breathandfire.com. And that is all my sort of 25 years of work culminated in one. So I do speaking, I do workshops, I do content creation for companies around wellness. Um, I do a small group coaching, one-on-one coaching. I'm a recovery recovery coach as well. So I'm, mm-hmm. di- I'm diving into that work in the recovery world. Okay. But it is using movement, meditation, and personal reflection to tackle any part of your life that you think needs some investigating. Love it. And I love the analogy yeah. about the fire and the pilot light and the flame and the yeah, blaze. And that I just came it. to me in journal, yeah. like through journaling. It literally was birthed from me. Right. So I feel like for the first time, the work I'm putting out to the world and who I am actually match. Mm-hmm. So you like feel you're like, on, like your, authentic, on your, pa- I'm on on your path of Absolutely. purpose. Yeah. 100%. And you can and feel I thought it. I was. I thought I was back then. Mm-hmm. But the missing piece was, um, was the escaping to a substance and, and having that crutch and that coping. Now right. I have the tools to do it myself. Right. A lot of it is meditation and nature mm-hmm. and a solitude Love and it. things that I never wanted. To, like right now where I am, I'm, I'm an hour away from Toronto. I rented a cabin for the month. My friend's out of town. I would never do this like yeah. five years ago. I think, what am I going to do up there? And I hope right. there's enough alcohol. Like I am so happy here. I- 
I understand when I tell you how much I understand. So I do, I do. I'm probably not running. I mean, I, my kids, my grandkids are here. So I'm probably not renting a a thing for a month, but I don't know. I'm never going to say never, but I love it. And the other thing I want to just say for, for the listeners is that even though you, you might've thought that what you were doing 20 years ago, wasn't exactly maybe path of purpose. I'm going to say at that time, it was yeah. because part of what I also want people to know is that it changes. We change it, and grow. And sure. so that we have to be open to that. So like, as I, as I was sharing a little is that I have found that I'm much more now at this stage of my life. And because of COVID, I'm much more of a homebody. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I just don't, I mean, I do go out, but I don't have to go out and I'm not, not only am I not unhappy, I'm actually happy. And so that if you would have told me that five years ago, that I would be happy just hanging to the degree (laughs) that I am, to the degree that I am. I, not that I didn't like hanging before, because I did, I've always needed a certain amount of alone time. Um, I would have said, ha, ha, ha. So, you know, but now I'm, now I'm just like, I literally, I literally, before I was talking to know about this and, and just saying, I'm trying to say not in a mean way, but goodbye to a little bit to the old Janice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. saying hello to the, the old person is still there and I love her, oh, whatever, for sure. but yeah. so we don't, we, right. But we, we want to be able to be like when the new, a new something starts evolving, we want to be able to welcome that. And again, use that hopefully for good um, and to send out love and help and, you know, all the stuff yeah. that it sounds like you're doing. So and that's Amazing. all I really want to do is have let people know a couple of things like, you know, it's never too old. You're never too old. It's never too late. Right. I'm midlife. This is not a midlife crisis. The midlife, exactly. Like the Phoenix rising years. <laughs> I just yeah. changed. And exactly. that, you know, um, sometimes it does take like that. The thing with recovery that I've realized is like, it's unfortunate. I and mean, I think Glennon Doyle says this. Well, mm-hmm. I love her. We have, I love her too. Yeah. It's unfortunate. We have to get broken. Yes. To get access to this yes. beautiful work of recovery. Right. Because I have found it's such a design for living and my, my spiritual connection that I have to right. nature and my, you know, what I right. consider my right. higher power. It really, I like my, my belief is I, I just, I feel just like a different person. It's, it's yeah. so wonderful, you know, for any of us that, you know, if you're recovering, then that's one way to find your higher self. But I just have always been kind of spiritual and always trying to make sure I'm connected to that higher force and the higher energy. Um, and I just reach out to one, one of the people I'm listening to now, it's called, I can't think of her name, but it's called Boho Beautiful. And she's a young, mm-hmm. young gal. And she, I don't know if you, she does these beautiful, I'm her. thinking, how did this yeah. young, I, I know, but think, she has how, a beautiful young... meditation, mountain on, meditation on a mountain where she has yes. long hair. Right. I've done it before the morning meditation. Yeah. yeah I do it every Boho morning beautiful. now. Yeah. And, I know it. and she, I know it. she has a 14 day free thing. And now I might sign yeah. up for her whole spiel, but, but I'm just saying is she's a young person and she and her husband picked them. I think they're from Canada and, I, and they picked I themselves up. And they, I think they're, yeah. Yeah. And they Canada. moved to Costa Rica. I was reading about her last night. Cause I, I'm uh, every, cause I'm doing this 14 day thing. Um, mm. And I'm thinking, how did this young person, and get so wise and but the point being is i i don't know her whole story obviously but uh maybe i'll reach out to her and maybe she'll want yeah, to come on but, go. And, and, but anyways um i i just love it is what i'm trying to say so that it's that it's really kind of never too late so just in in closing then so if you were going to say like one thing to people who are kind of struggling who are maybe in you know close to 50 and they're thinking i want to change my or any age it doesn't have to be 50 mm-hmm. i'm 71 and i'm still learning and changing i don't think you can ever to me it's all it's an ongoing process any closing right. thoughts that you would like to share with somebody that might be struggling? Yeah, I, I guess um, what 
what I say now and in, in in where I am in my life now, I feel like I'm now my authentic self. And I think okay. if a question I like to ask people is have a, have a think about, take a time, like take time, hold your heart, be, be still, close your eyes. Think about a time when you really felt like yourself. And we know, we know when we can answer that. Like if maybe you were 10 years old, scooting around the neighborhood with your buddies. Maybe you were a camp counselor in your teens. Maybe it was when you were a mother for the first time. What a, but we know when we feel like that moment and then look, just get curious about what, what's different now. Like yes. what, what has changed? And then just the idea that, you know, recovery is like recovery from anything. I don't just mean substances, but from workaholism or shopping or whatever, eating, it, it like recovery is possible. It just takes, it just takes digging deep and, exactly. and being vulnerable, being vulnerable and, and just a small shift, a small awareness can make it all the difference. I totally agree. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I was just looking for my quote, which I found, but now I can't, Oh yes. <laughs> I can't get it, but I'll, all right. I'll just try to read from this. Um, first of all, I agree with everything you're saying because when we're our, our, our authentic self, then we are, it, there's, because the world right now is so chaotic in a million different ways that mm-hmm. we're not going to get into. Um, though I do live 10 minutes away from the horrible shooting and that was my hometown. And yeah. Oh, right. So yeah, it's very, yeah. So I'm still kind of traumatized from mm-hmm. that. Um, but you know, what I find fa- fascinating and wonderful is it, you know, whether it been times of crisis is the amount of love that is poured out in terms of the community and the extended communities um, has been amazing. So that to me is like in your authentic self, you want to the best you can, no matter what's going on, try to get away from the darkness and be with the light mm-hmm. and know that there's mm-hmm. always love. And if we can give that love out, then we're helping not just heal ourselves, but heal our families, heal our community, heal our, our countries, our world. Um, and if we do what we're meant to do, like what you're doing, it's, it's, you know, I, I always want everyone to know, don't think that you can't make a difference because each mm-hmm. of us can make a difference, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just trust that. So here was, here was my, and here's my quote, uh, you know, I always find it funny. Cause I, I like look them up that, you know, first I look you up a little bit and then I just find one that, and then, and then I, and then after I talk to you and I go, Oh, this was a good one. I don't know who this is from, but I, I liked it. Um, so here it is. You are here for a reason not to hide in the shadows or behind walls of comfortable familiarity, but to fulfill your true potential in this, your one and only life. So stop looking for that one thing that will define you. Um, Purpose isn't a destination, but it is a path. You are on a journey that requires self-awareness, determination, and perhaps a little struggle. So instead of asking, what is my purpose, which I still think is okay to ask, um, that's, I just did an edit in there. Try asking, how can you make your life meaningful? And from there, you will find your purpose. So with that, yeah. So with that, thank you again, Michelle, a pleasure talking to you. People can find you on breathandfire.com or what's that's right. Yeah. Breathandfire.com or if you're on Instagram, Michelle underscore breathandfire. Okay. Well, you're amazing. And I only wish you well and enjoy your month. And I love that cabin and I'm going to, that's in my mind now. The cabin is in my mind. All right. I might just say it's it's quiet now when my son is in here, my 10 year old's here with me. It's a whole different scene. Well, I totally understand. This is the quiet version. I, so in my stage of life, (laughs) the only 10 year old I have is my granddaughter and she's probably not going to want to come to a cabin, but I adore (laughs) my granddaughters, but I don't think she's going to come for a month. She's very active human being. Anyways, they both are. Um, Yeah. Or all of them. I have a few different grandchildren and 
Yeah, that's the other thing I, you know, when when um, I think about the amount of love I have for them, if you would have Mm -hmm. told me that I still have this amount um, of the capacity to love this deeply again, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a grandmother for a while, I would have went ha ha ha. So that's what I'm trying to say. The human heart is so expansive. So just be in that place of love if you can um, and do what do what your authentic self is asking of you to do. and you're helping the world. So with that, I'm going to close. Um, thank you. This is Janice Alpert. Uh, I hope that you are doing your life with purpose and on purpose, and it's filled with peace and love. And until next time, um, bye-bye.